Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show the fabulous Nicole Siegel from our very own Aspect Legal, talking about what is different between acquiring a franchise versus a standard business. So we really get stuck into what some of the benefits are, what are some of the things to be aware of, what some of the most critical parts of the franchise agreement are, and we also talk about some changes to the franchising code of conduct this year. So if you are interested in buying a franchise business or you're interested in franchising business sales and acquisitions, then this episode is is for you. Here we go with our discussion with Nicole. Hello, Nicole, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast. It's so good to have you on the show. Great to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, now today, of course, we are talking about the difference between acquiring a franchise versus a standard business. So, um, so why don't you take us through it, Nicole? What is the difference in acquiring a franchise as opposed to acquiring a standard business? Well, the major differences are that franchises have more fees, more rules, and importantly, more support and hopefully a great brand. So when you buy into a franchise, hopefully you're buying an existing product uh, with a great support network behind you as opposed to buying your own business and then starting from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and I guess this is the thing with franchises, isn't it? There's this, we're talking today about the difference between acquiring a standard business versus a franchise. But I guess there is that third option of, um, Greenfield. So just starting a business from scratch. And so we, we talk, we talk many times on this podcast about the benefits of buying a business as opposed to starting a business from the ground up. But here we're talking, we're sort of taking it one step further, buying into a franchise versus um, a standard business as an alternative as well for, for, to starting from scratch. So, um, so what are the things? So we, we talked about obviously there being more rules. Um, so, so we'll talk about that. Uh, in a moment because I think that's really important for buyers to understand. Um, let's talk maybe about some of the things that buyers should be on alert for as they're looking at buying a franchised business. Maybe take us through what those are. Okay, so there's a number of things buyers have to be aware of. They, they need to be aware that they have to strictly comply with the operating procedures that they have limited flexibility and limited discretion when um, supplying their products or services. They they can't make any changes to the franchise system. All changes are coming from the franchisor and that they don't really have the control. The franchisor has the ultimate control. So I was speaking to a franchise, a potential franchisee the other day, and he's buying a gym. And I went through the franchise agreement with him, which is so long. And um, he actually works at 
he is got a managerial role at McDonald's and he said, Oh, this is nothing compared to McDonald's. We know, you know, a Big Mac in Sydney has to be the same as a Big Mac anywhere in the world. So the advantage is for a purchaser, when you're buying going to buying a Big Mac, you know what you're getting. But from the business owner, there's so many rules and intricacies that they need to strictly comply with. Otherwise they could potentially be in breach. And when you say in breach, I guess what we're talking about here is in breach of their agreement, their franchise agreement. Yeah, so there are so many rules for franchises. Um, so there's, of course, the franchise agreement, which is often about 100 pages, and franchisees really need to understand what this agreement contains. And it really, it's always drafted in favour of the franchisor, and it basically explains all the rules that the franchisees must abide by, which is really um, essentially complying with all the franchisors' terms, conditions, complying with their policy, complying with their auditing system, their IT system, all this, the branding, of course. So there's those rules. And then there's a franchising code of conduct, which is legislation, which both parties must comply with. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. And um, obviously we, we're talking at the moment about the franchise agreement, so let's stick with it. What do you think are the critical parts of a franchise agreement for a buyer to be thinking about, looking at, inquiring into when they're thinking about buying this particular franchise versus another or, or indeed versus a standard business that's not a franchise? So some of the critical um, components are the territory where are they actually getting? How far is the reach of that particular territory? For example, if you are buying a convenience store, you might want a huge amount, large amount of territory. But if you're buying in the CBD, for example, um, you might not get that such a big territory. There might be a very similar convenience store across the road. So it's really important to understand what your territory is and how far your reach is, as opposed to a standalone business. If you have a standalone gym, for example, in Sydney, you can target all of Sydney. But if you have a standalone franchise, you might only have two or three suburbs and there might be another similar franchise in, you know, two, you know five, 10 kilometres down the road. So you can really only market towards your your small reach. So that that's a really important restriction that franchisees need to be aware of and of course franchisees need to be aware of the fees when you have your own business all the fees go to you and then you have to work out your expenses etc when you're part of a franchise of course you have to pay franchise fees royalty fees license fees it fees marketing fees service fees, admin fees, you know there's a whole range of fees and then um, that you need to be aware of and that needs to um, be accounted for. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. And and of course, you know, franchises have been in um, been under a lot of publicity in recent years in relation to um, you know this concern about fees needing to be paid versus what uh, the franchisees are receiving uh, for their fees. I guess you've seen it all, Nicole, in these franchise agreements, um, it, you know, and, and what do uh, I think many franchisees come in just thinking, well, this is how it is, take it, you, you know, take it or leave it. And, and, of course, dealing in a particular franchise, that is often the case, that the franchisor isn't going to be highly negotiable in relation to terms. But I think it's um, it's a mistake 
to think that just because one franchisor takes a certain position in their terms, that that is the same position that any franchisor uh, might take. So, you, you know, you have these positions where perhaps there are a number of um, franchises that are giving franchising as a whole a bad name, but you need to make sure you're not just signing up to the terms that are dictated by a franchisor without fully understanding what those obligations will mean for you. Can, do you have any examples there of clauses that you've seen that you ultimately feel should be a, um, you know, maybe even a deal killer or, or something that, that, um, that buyers should really be super careful about when they're assessing a franchise business to purchase? Yeah, 100%. Well, first of all, franchisees need to realise that all deals can be negotiable. Just because a franchisor might be a big franchisor uh, with their brand well-known, a good lawyer will be able to get on the side of the franchisee and negotiate certain clauses. And it, it's often a give and take. Franchisors are keen to continue the business. Franchisors want more franchisees, so they are keen to negotiate. So you can negotiate terms including how wide the area is, as I said, how um, you can negotiate fees. Some franchisors say, no, this is the fee, take it or leave it, but some franchisors are willing to negotiate fees. And also the, the exit provisions and the termination, some franchise, franchise agreements are for 10 years and uh, that might be a bit long for someone entering into the franchise system. So they might think, mm, maybe I want a five-year term and another option of five years. So you can absolutely, with the help of a good lawyer, you can absolutely negotiate critical franchise terms that protect the franchisee. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. All right, so we've talked about some of the things to be aware of when you're buying a franchise. We, we've also touched on the benefits, so the benefit of there being systems that are in place, there being, you know, a franchisor in place to help potentially support you in the business. What what other benefits are there of buying a franchise franchise business? So what are the key benefits do you think that that, you know, buyers should bear in mind? So the key benefits is the branding. The key benefits is if you buy into a franchise with a good brand, you, you should have a group of customers willing to say, okay, well, there's a, you know, this type of restaurant. I've gone to this restaurant all over, all over Australia, potentially all over the world. I know what I'm getting. I trust this brand. I'm happy to get my sandwich or coffee or, or whatever it is from that particular business. Another huge benefit of franchises is that they have their own system and they have their own operating procedure. And some people have worked for another company for a number of years. They want to take the plunge and start their own business, but they don't really have the the business experience. Where a franchise system, because they have all the business experience, they can say, you know, this works, this is how you should do it, and really give them good guidance. Another benefit, of course, is the marketing systems. Um, franchise or there's a pool of money that goes into marketing, and hopefully every everyone uses that and is able to make more money and grow the brand. So that's a huge advantage. Another advantage is potentially cheaper supplies. So if you're buying um, from with the franchise, the cost of the coffee or the cost of the bread or the cost of the meat or whatever you're selling, cost of gym equipment, whatever it may be, there should be bulk discounts because there's so many of them. So it's that 
bulk discount. So that, that can be a huge cost saving for a lot of businesses. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. Now, before we leave this topic, um, I think it'd be great if we could maybe have a bit of a chat about the changes to the Code of Conduct this year. And maybe if you can kick it off by talking about what the Code of Conduct is, why should we care? Okay, well, there's a Franchising Code of Conduct and it's really to protect um, both parties to an agreement. The Franchising Code of Conduct has huge penalties for franchisors that breach the code and these can be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's one of the changes to the code recently is that franchisors are more penalised if they breach the code. So part of the code is has been amended to improve access to information for the franchisees and prospective franchisees. So they really understand all the financial details and all the rights, all the history of the business This includes all details of other franchisees who left the franchise um, system, um, details of the mediation, how much litigation the franchisor was in, and these these can be big red flags. If you're wanting to enter into a franchise system and you see that, hold on, 20% of franchises have been in dispute in court in the last year and, you know, 15% have left the franchise system, that's a big red flag. So that's really important information for a franchisee to be aware of. And also the franchise code is really to protect the franchisees. It has these good faith obligations that the franchisor must act in good faith when dealing with a franchisee. And, of course, the crux of any good franchise system is that everyone benefits. It's not that the franchisor is making all the money and screwing the franchisee. It really should be each party helping each other and if the franchisee is happy, hopefully the franchisor is happy and everyone's making money together. Um, And other changes to the code include improving access to justice and more efficient dispute resolution processes, which which are really important when such big money is involved and franchisees have historically have such limited power. So it really does help the franchisee. And in those latest changes, what are those changes? So just as a, as a quick high level, what what practically does it mean? So practically it means that if the franchisor is breaching the code, they have to pay really hefty penalties. Penalties were already included in the franchise code, but if franchisors are having to pay, you know, um, you know up to $800, $900 million for breach, then they, you know, there's more um, leverage for a franchisee to say, come to the table, sit with me, act in good faith, let's negotiate a settlement, otherwise I'm going to complain to the ACCC and this is potentially, you know, terrible for your brand and for your system. So I think that in terms of fairness, it's really helped franchisees. Brilliant. And, and you know, I guess within that, wherever there's some strengthening of these codes of conduct, of course, you know, um, it becomes potentially even more attractive for buyers to come into a system that has this sort of regulation around it. Um, so, you know, obviously I can see there's benefits to the industry as a whole. All right, well, Nicole, huge thank you for your time today. Any parting words for our listeners who might be considering purchasing a franchise as opposed to a standard business? Well, I think what franchisees need to do if they are considered considering purchasing a franchise as opposed to a standard business is speak to other similar franchise 
franchisees, what one of the beauties of the disclosure statement is they have to list all the franchisees and their phone numbers and email addresses. So get on the phone, ask up, ask other franchisees, how easy is this franchisor to deal with? Have you had any issues? How long did it take to turn a profit? What are the, you know, strengths and weaknesses about being in the franchise? Would you want to have another franchise? Why? Why not? So it really should be some kind of community where you can really ask the really important questions before, you know, putting so much money into a similar business. Love it, Nicole. Um, just a huge thank you for coming on to the show today. And we will, of course, put in our show notes details of how you can contact Nicole and the rest of our legal eels at Aspect Legal if you're thinking about buying a franchise or indeed selling a franchise business. Nicole, a huge thank you for coming on to the show today. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our legal legals at Aspect Legal. If you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question, or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business, or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the Deal Room podcast on your favorite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. I am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast related milestone and released a book. You might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth and exit. And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now, so just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.